Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, French vanilla, Rocky Road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the international editor for Adweek. And with me, as always, is Shannon Miller, our creative and inclusion editor. Shannon, we are here today to talk about uh, you know one of my favorite uh, lists of the year. It's ads of the year time. It's the best ads of 2021. Are, are you pumped? I mean, everything just... Arrives to this moment, I feel like all that we do comes <laughs> all to roads this, lead to this episode, this specific listen episode. So I'm super, super excited. Uh, we have so much to talk about, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna dive right in. Um, the I will just uh, clarify for those who want to see it all in one place. We do have a list on Adweek.com, 25 best ads of 2021, and we're pretty liberal on how we interpret ad. You know, it can be a stunt. It can be a thing. It can be a concept sometimes. Right. <laughs> it's uh, it's big. But but this year, I, honestly, that was less of an issue than in some years past. I think maybe just because of the nature of the COVID era or something. But it felt like a lot of them were just, just good old ad ads. Yeah, a lot of it was pretty straightforward. I mean, there were definitely some conversations surrounding, like, certain like overall campaigns that weren't that you know got pretty high on the list on the strength of their impact um versus like the actual creative but overall this is this is a pretty ad heavy list yeah we'll definitely be talking about one that shannon so shannon and i uh, largely curated this list with uh, a lot of contributions from the rest of the ad week team specifically Stephen lepitak our europe bureau chief um, but uh, but in the end, a lot of this is just us really going back through our coverage and some ads we missed as well uh, and just uh, kind of trying to rank them in some way that uh, really reflects what – uh, what we liked on a on a personal level, uh, sure, certainly as part of that, uh, but the impact it had on the industry. So you'll see some of these were like, well, you know, this one's more about the craft or this one's less about the craft and more about the impact, the cultural impact. I, I think we have never said the phrase cultural impact as often as we said it during <laughs> during the conversations <laughs> around this list. Right. To to our to a lot of these um entries advantages and to the disadvantages of some that we wish could have made the list but didn't quite uh meet muster yeah and this is a uh not to not to delay getting to the actual list but i will say every year when we're compiling this some agencies get upset that we omit certain pieces that they're very proud of and that's i always want to be like don't worry you're still going to win awards 
uh, because a lot of the time award, awards juries don't factor in cultural impact. They don't look at the view counts on some of these. You know, we've had some where like we're so proud of this, the best ad we've ever made. And I'm like, well, then why does it have 7000 views on on YouTube? You know, right. why is there no comment? Why is there no engagement on any of the the posts around it? Now, that said, we still include some stuff that didn't get as much visibility as I think a lot of us wish it did. Um, but uh, but typically we, we want to see the advertising. Uh, you know, this is not. This is not art uh, for art's sake, you know. You, right. you want to see that it actually it actually moves some numbers. Uh, I don't know. So maybe maybe that's naive to think that advertising should sell stuff. So <laughs> w- with that, jeez, uh, let's get to it. Um, Shannon, and I don't just want to uh, annoy anybody listening to this by just rattling off 25 ads from a spreadsheet, uh, although I certainly could. Um, but instead, let's just start with some fun. What are some that jumped out to you uh, that are not necessarily number one, but ads that you just ended the year feeling really good about? Why don't you share one and then I'll, I'll try to think of one. Um, absolutely. I mean, hands was a was a bit of a blur in terms of just the the breadth and the scope of, of things. But one ad that really, really stood out to me that um, was a can favorite was In Love We Trust, which was a Taiwanese ad um, for Sinyi Realty. It is an over seven minute long short film um, about a real estate agent who sees the impact of divorce on the industry and it has her reflecting on her own relationship and um, its trajectory. And it was such a beautiful love story that made you totally forget that it was an ad for real estate. And I don't know how <laughs> many super interesting ads for real estate you've seen throughout the breast, throughout the scope of your career. I, I cannot name that many, um, but this was one that I really thought about. And it didn't quite catch on until months after it was officially released. I believe it was officially released in October of like 2020 and we it didn't really catch wind stateside until like April. Um, but it, yeah. And that, and that I should, I should point out to that's a pretty common thing when mm-hmm. we talk about our ads of the year, uh, as you can imagine, a lot of these ads that are uh, filmed in, in other languages outside of English and other regions outside of uh, the States in Europe, a lot of them don't get, even get posted somewhere that people like us can see them right. until you get around to like Can Lions uh, and a few of these other awards shows. So we try to be pretty loose about that. We never want to punish an ad that came out, you know, because it was focused on its local market and didn't get translated into English until a few months later. Mm-hmm. We were just like, hey, you know, if it was new to us this year, it's probably new to our audiences. And I thought it was the it was an excellent pick. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's just again like. I mean, at this point, you can sort of hinge your bets that I'm going to mention um, a few favorites at least once a month. Like I talk about, um, oh, goodness, what is is it? Um, Shiseido, goodness gracious. Um, Shiseido, um, the 2018 Halloween ad, um, the party bus. I talk about that, I think, about that quarterly um, and, you know, <laughs> cost, but it's just, it's just a great example again of 
allowing product to take a back seat in terms of like storytelling and just focusing on telling a really, really great story instead of like selling a product. And this is a great example of that. Um, I, I want to uh, give a shout to um, VaynerMedia, uh, an agency that's somewhat polarizing. I think people have a lot of strong opinions about them. So, and, and the baby nut planners era certainly didn't seem to... <laughs> <laughs> to, to to do away with that polarization. What an era! But <laughs> rest in peace, baby. Not I can't even remember if TV just turned back into a full ass a, a, a nut at some point. Um, but uh, I wanted to give a shout mostly as an excuse to play this again uh, because Shannon, I feel like you were skeptical until I like uh, pried your eyeballs open and made you rewatch. Um, the shake it like dad yes <laughs> ad, ad for planters this is a it's a bunch of dads I, I mean and it's it's uh singing about dads uh it's uh it shouldn't be good dad jokes i mean not literal dad jokes but jokes about dads are typically the worst advertising fodder mm-hmm. and i think two campaigns have made an exception to that this one i just loved um, and then, uh, and then the other is the, uh, progressive campaign about how not to become your parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to laugh at those mostly because I, I am the person in those ads I am becoming <laughs> <laughs> like every time it's like, don't do this. And I look over, I'm like, I, I, I do that voluntarily. Um, but no, the, the shake it like dad should have been, uh, ridiculous and it's not. So let's uh, let's listen. Just I thought this was some of the best song copywriting uh, of the year. Excellent uh, performance by Anthony Anderson of Blackish. Uh, and just yeah, let's listen to a little bit of "Shake It Like Dad" uh, from Planters and VaynerMedia. Shake it like dad. Shake it like dad. Shake it like dad. Shake it like dad. Rattling the snack before throwing it back. Shake it like dad. Shake it like dad. Mowing that grass in a crisscross pattern Drinking out of cups you can see from Saturn Reading biographies of every single POTUS Bike shorts got the neighborhood on notice Shake it like that Shake it like that Shake it like that Shake it, shake it like that Looking fresh in that vest and Chris White sneaks Straight prepping corporate eight days a week Grilling dinner in the winter cause a pan won't do Freakishly strong when he's helping you move Standing next to the couch, favorite spot in the room Sneezes real loud like a sonic I, I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm in the wheelhouse. I'm a dad, I'm a boring suburban dad, but uh, just they took some really old uh, chestnuts there and uh, turned them into a spot that I just really enjoyed. Every time I go back and rewatch it, uh, it's got some great inclusion. It's not just you know old white suburban dads, uh, and uh, yeah, I just really love it. Yeah. All right, Shannon, passing back to you. Uh, tell us another of your faves. Um, let's see. I'm trying to not rely on old favorites. Um, I mean, you're going to see some, a lot of things on this list that I've like already written about a lot. Bless your effing cooch, um, is a pretty standard one. New Axe Effect, which I absolutely adore. Um, I, from, uh, U.S. Agency of the Year, the Martin Agency. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, again, just some of the most visually pleasing stuff I've seen all year. I mean, can you name a month where I didn't gush about Vax that thing up? Like I, I talk about it so in depth in, in multiple mediums. But one thing that we really had to go back and forth on a lot was um, the BTS meal 
from Wyden Kennedy, New York, um, obviously for McDonald's. Um, and this is, again, one of those that made it on here based purely on strategy um, and not necessarily the creative. The creative is fun. The the spot itself, I mean, hits all of the be beats as to what makes BTS a fun group to follow. Just very colorful. Um, yeah, you don't you don't need the audio on for that ad, and and honestly, it probably right. is worse with the audio on. You could probably just watch that thing and be like, yeah, that looked nice. Exactly, and it, and it came out at the height of butter, so like there's just a lot of of elements there that just made it a fun ad. But I mean, if you stack it against like the other ad, you're kind of like, oh, okay, well, they're they're selling nuggets. But this at the end of the day was just a brilliant brilliantly executed strategy from a number of players. And typically with these efforts, there are quite a few agencies at play, um, but uh, it really brilliant, brilliantly echoed um, marketing strategies that have just worked in K-pop um, where we're kind of used to stateside the, the surprise drop, like the artist going, oh yeah, I have an album coming out in five minutes, enjoy. Um, it's, you know, in, in K-pop, there is a very strategic method of advertising that does involve multiple merch drops. It does involve exclusive content and um, this sort of anticipation build that this meal above all other um, McDonald's meals really took advantage of. So it was really smart to look at that K-pop marketing and mimic that for this meal. And it ultimately led to a huge um, financial boon for McDonald's at the end of it. So I, again, just the execution really knocked it up high on the list, so high that it made number two. <laughs> yeah. And, and to Shan's point, you know, I don't think we'd I won't say we argued, uh, but I think we did debate this one more than anything just because mm -hmm. neither of us is madly in love with the spot. Um, but, you know, last year we named the Travis Scott meal as one of the best ads of the year. Again, that ad wasn't great. But as a concept, it was phenomenal. It was the first real celebrity meal. And uh, and this, I feel like we were we were writing about the beginning of the celebrity meal phase, and then this was kind of the high water mark, I would bet, mm -hmm. of the celebrity meal phase. Like at this point, there's only so many celebrities you could go to to get this kind of impact, and you're talking most of them don't eat meat yeah. <laughs> when you get to that <laughs> level, um, you know. But uh, you never know; the McPlant is still supposedly coming out, so maybe they'll <laughs> maybe they'll get. You know, the Billie Eilish, the Beyonce meal, maybe, maybe it'll happen. Um, but uh, yeah, so it fascinating one. And congrats to Wyden Kennedy, New York on just a banger of a year all around. Uh, we mentioned that on the Agency of the Year episode, but uh, mm -hmm. they were not our Agency of the Year, but I would say of one office of of major networks, nobody kicked as much ass as they did this year. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's been the case for a little bit now. So congrats to to that office. Let's see. I'm going to pick... I'm going to I'm going to lump a few together. I'm going to th this will be my kind of print and outdoor um shout out. Uh every year I think it's easy to get focused on video work. Most content is video work these days. Uh and you know, you just don't see a lot of print especially. 
and maybe I'm just sensitive because I work for a magazine. Um, but uh, but this year we had some really, really good ones. Uh, some you may have seen, some you may have missed, uh, because again, with print and even with outdoor, it's easy for these to kind of uh, go by. Um, we had Lights On, the McDonald's UK campaign from Leo Burnett London. This is the one where it was basically a beam of light going into a house that's waiting for delivery. Delivery was a new thing uh, in the UK for McDonald's. Uh, that was a post-lockdown addition for them. Uh, so to promote that, they just have this beam of, a, of light kind of arcing into a window. It's not the McDonald's you know, arches, it's just one arch and there's no branding. It just says like, they'll take delivery. It's just the biggest flex of just like, we don't even have to tell you who the hell we are. You know, we're McDonald's a-hole. Like we're just like, so it's it's got swagger, but at the same time, it's very artsy. Um, so congrats to Leo Burnett London on that one. Uh, one of my favorite things of the year, and it was funny because I watched people just absolutely beating the crap out of this thing for some reason, uh, was the uh, Squid Game business cards that the debt, debt relief app called Relief uh, created with an agency called Wonder. And they just made these little cards that looked exactly like the, the cards that get handed out in Squid Game on mm -hmm. Netflix. And uh, and they just put them around, and if you flip it to the back, which would be freaky as hell if you saw that, if you'd watched the show and you found that in real life, and you flip it on the back and it just said, you know, there's a better way uh, to get out of debt. And it was this app that helps you work your way out. Um, and I thought it was just brilliant. They, this thing came out before I had even finished watching the show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the turnaround to produce this, to get it distributed in Miami and New York. Swift. It's so good. Swift, Swift's work. So, yeah, just like, and I was shocked when I saw people being like, well, this is derivative. It's like, yeah, moron, that's the point. <laughs> like, you know, it's, I, I think like no other brand referenced Squid Game in a really effective way because it is a show about murdering people who are in debt. That is a hard one to get your brand around, right. and it should be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was one that made sense and really worked, and I, I loved it. Uh, yeah. And then just to – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, the, the, the backlash on that one was really interesting because, I mean, there were some brands that really did not understand the the, the point behind Squid Game and their attempt to kind of hop on to the bandwagon – was easily clocked. <laughs> um, it, it just like did not work. But this worked because it didn't try to make a huge overarching statement. It was literally just, hey, there's there's a better way to pay off your debt. And it's like such a like simplistic, like it's not meant to encompass the entire like moral underscore of Squid Game. No advertising can, can or should take that on. Um, but just, yeah, the, the backlash on that I thought was really interesting. Um, I did not agree with it. Um, it, I thought that it was just a, a clever moment. Um, but yeah, kind of seeing the commentary on that was, was a little wild. I, I really dug into it because I wanted to understand why are you so angry about this as someone who I look at ads all day, every day and to see that that's the one that got people worked up and, like, you know, a lot of it was people feeling like either they didn't understand the show and I was like, hmm, or maybe you didn't. It's yeah. definitely a show about about the how horrible the and entrapping uh, debt is. Um, but then also the thing of like an ad like this wouldn't work if it hadn't been for the show. And again, I'm like, that that yeah. is literally the point. <laughs> like <laughs> that would be like arguing that, and again, this one came out too late for us to put into this list, but the Peloton ad that Ryan Reynolds and Maximum Effort made uh, after the Sex and the City reboot uh, and just like that, 
And, you know, that is an ad that will not make sense five years from now, much like a lot of their responsive ads. But for now, it's destroying the Internet. Like, it's melting our servers of people wanting to read about that. Mm. But, but can you imagine someone arguing, like, this ad wouldn't make sense if it hadn't been for that TV show? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of what it's about. So anyway, uh, and then the last one I will shout out is Better with Pepsi. Uh, a lot of folks may have missed this one. It's Pepsi print work, which you don't see very often. It's from Alma DDB, uh, which is a you know fascinating shop. And uh, it's you can just Google Adweek Better with Pepsi if you have not seen these pieces. Uh, but it, they folded up these burger wrappers and then found the... Uh, the Pepsi logo within the burger wrap. It's like origami. You know, you just fold the the papers until the logo kind of appears and then they would circle it and it just said better with Pepsi. The real the real swagger here is that Pepsi is not served at any of these restaurants. You know, it was mm. Wendy's, Burger King and McDonald's. Um, none of those serve Wendy. Uh, none of those serve Pepsi. And like, I love that. that. And people were like, well, that doesn't make sense. No, it does. That's the point. They're basically being like, hey, just for the record... <laughs> you know, it's like it's you know, I'll admit it's a bit obtuse, like it's a bit coming in at a strange angle, but I loved it. And the print was so good. Uh, I don't think it like got a lot of visibility. Some people felt it was derivative of other ads that have kind of done this. Find the logo. Find the logo in a photo is a is a classic like that is an old, old um, tactic. But again, I've been writing about this stuff a long time and I still found this one to be great. And really was one of my favorite ads of the year. So congrats to them. Okay, sorry to crowd several into one pick. Uh, why don't you uh, highlight one more and then we'll we'll drop number one. Okay, so I'm kind of going through um, the list here. And there's one that I was really like eager to bring in. And that was out of Doritos, Mexico. And I am going mm, yeah. to butcher this name, I feel, but it's like Nunca es tarde para ser quien eres, which is um, like, it's never too late to be who you are. So this was a um, Dia de Muertos ad that came out in support of the LGBTQ community. And um, it featured a, or it was a like Pixar-esque animation um, of a story about a family that goes to visit their lost loved one um, and at the ofrenda and the, I, I don't, he's not, um, I guess he was like the, the brother of the grandmother and he arrives with his new male partner and introduces him to the family and the family embraces um, this couple. And she was, I thought it was funny when she was like, I thought you were going to be alone forever. Um, but it was also very sweet because she was just so happy to see that um, her brother had found love in the afterlife. And it was this like touching, super viral ad um, that like really executed a concept well, which is Doritos wanted to make sure that they were offering support to the LGBTQ plus community outside of pride. And they had made that a mission um, last year. And it's something that they're carrying throughout they, their advertising all year round, which I think is so, so important that we talk about um, rainbow washing all the time when it comes to pride and how like brands should 
start like looking at how they can support the community outside of these one or two months during the summer. And this was such a lovely example of that. And, um, I, and as ne- uh, our reporter, Natalie Venegas reported on that, and she mentioned how rare it is to see this type of messaging in um, Latin American advertising. And I think that it's really important to note that um, it was just a, a beautiful ad from slap. Um, was the agency that worked on that. Yeah, first appearance on one of these lists by Slap Global. They um, That was the agency co-founded by Jerry Graff, the creative mm-hmm. legend whose Barton F. Graff agency uh, closed down, I believe, about two years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so great to see them on there, and especially with a, a very global piece. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a great entry. So congrats to Jerry and the team uh, over there. With that, let's take a quick little breather, and then we will be back with number one, the number one ad of the year. It's going to shock everybody. No one, no one's going to see it. Coming. I wonder. All right. Here we go. All right. We're back. We're back and ready to talk about number one, the number one ad of 2021. Uh, probably isn't going to surprise anyone except for the fact that it technically came out in 2020. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of a surprise. Came out right at the end, right? I believe either on Christmas Day or New Year's. It was, uh, I assume, mm. for football. Uh, but it is. Scoop. There it is. Amazing. From Geico. Oh, and the amazing. Martin Agency. No one saw that coming. Uh, Scoop is, uh, uh, well, hey, let's go back. Let's revisit uh, because you gotta, you gotta. <laughs> let's go revisit part of uh, the, the main part of Scoop. There it is. Here you go. Uh, French vanilla, rocky road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough. Scoop is, Scoop is, Scoop is, Scoop is, Scoop shakalaka, 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 shakalaka. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. This spot, I've watched it like a hundred times. And I know people say that. That's literally, I've watched this thing like a hundred times. And I still love it. I love it. It may, everything about it makes me happy. The, the, you know, so I mean, I'm guessing everyone's seen it by now, but this Mm -hmm. is tag team, uh, the 1990s uh, hip hop group uh, popping in to make ice cream for a family. That's it. That's Simple concept. Uh, it's just perfect um, to see these guys on camera for the first time ever. I interviewed them at the time. I think we talked about this on a previous episode. They said it was the first time they had ever been invited to be on camera mm-hmm. in all these decades. That song is in everything. That song mm-hmm. is in every – if there's like some dumb like, I don't know, Hotel Transylvania type movie, you can bet that <laughs> there it is. Yeah. is going to be in that movie. And they finally got to be on camera. and. It's just uh, the kid and play dance at the end, man, you name it. I love Mm -hmm. it. I love it all. And it's just, you know, you would think you'd be kind of immune to Geico making good ads by now, but this is it. This is my, you know, probably my, my all time favorite. It feels weird to say that. Um, but my all time favorite Geico ad, uh, I have a lot of love for a lot of those campaigns, but this is it. It's my fave and well, well deserving of being the ad of the year. It just brings so much joy. Like it's really hard to talk about that ad and not like smile goofily because it was just such a nice, simple celebration of these sort of temples and culture. And like, it's like, I just love a good pun. Like, I mean, like, it's not like you're, you're really like reaching for the stars here. Whoop. There it is. Translated to scoop. There it is. But it's like, it's just such an unexpected turn of this woman, like, having ice cream in her kitchen. And then here comes these, like, 
<laughs> cultural legends to and they just roll with it they re- i love the family just rolls with it within like five seconds you know, it's like, all right right tag teams here like what what complaint could you possibly have it and it, it the way that it sort of uh bloomed into something bigger with the actual release of the ice cream and sort of the i think the ad wasn't the ads like re-released after yeah so so when it went off the air uh mcsweeney's ran a piece that was like the the stages of grief when when dealing with the fact that the geico scoop there it is ad is no longer on tv (laughs) (laughs) and which is i mean how many campaigns are you going to even write something like that about um and it was a very sweet piece right it wasn't making fun of the ad it was like acknowledging that this is one of the only sun beams of sunlight we have right (laughs) don't take it away and then uh a few months later it just did its normal flight and then a few months later it came back with an actual ice cream uh, that they created with uh mikey likes it the um the uh creamery in new york uh and i wouldn't be surprised if we don't see it come back again in some way um they're probably just making sure they don't oversaturate people with it uh but it's um you know, it, it came back on the air. It was still beloved. And uh, and then they made kind of a, an updated version of the spot where they're in an ice cream truck to promote the ice cream partnership and a few other things. Uh, yeah, if you didn't check out our, our cover for the Agencies of the Year issue tag team, we brought them back out, put them in an ice cream truck and had, had them in. The, you okay. can't name Martin Agency the U.S. Agency of the Year without crediting tag team and just what a huge part. Uh, obviously, Martin created the ad. They deserve that credit. But tag team really made it the the just joy it is and and we've pointed out and and shannon you and i talk about this a lot as one of my pet peeves for years is the idea that nostalgia in advertising which plenty of nostalgia in advertising but that nostalgia has to mean white suburban nostalgia right um you know i've vented on this podcast before about i don't need any more ferris bueller ad references right we've had dozens um i don't need john hughes shit like i've we're good. And I say this as a white suburban kid. I'm like, we have been well represented. <laughs> like we, right. And and the, nothing to me says more about like how, you know, like how homogenous the creative industry was for so long that that was pretty much the only nostalgia you got. Then you look at this this year, we got Vax that thing up. You got mm-hmm. uh, Scoop there. To, it's so, so great. Yeah. And then again, none of it is like lampooning it. It's actually embracing it. And um I mean, it, it's important. It is so important in advertising to make sure that when you are inviting these, um, you know, legendary Black creatives that you're doing so in a way that's not making fun of them or and it's not like positioning their work as, you know, some sort of like, you know, two-bit fluke. It, it These things have meaning um, to a lot of people. And so working with them to create some really like cool, resonant um, advertising is so essential. And I think that Martin did a really, really great job of that. And as we mentioned back, I think majority did a great job of that as well. Um, So, yeah, these things definitely matter and they have a great impact, as you can you can tell. And uh, just didn't quite make the list, but I think Shannon and I both still have a soft spot for the ludicrous Jif peanut butter <laughs> ad. I do. <laughs> it, it's like I'm kind of shocked it didn't make the list just because you and I could totally have snuck it in. I think like the concept was just not quite there, but I will never be unhappy about seeing Luda in an ad. And the idea that like 
then he had an open open tub of peanut butter in the recording booth. Right, to help him out, to really, really help him out in this it's hard like, time. It'd be like right now, you know, I'm just finishing up a podcast. You know what would help, what would put me over the top is a mouthful of peanut butter into the microphone. And it was like, it was so cool because it was like this re- reunion between him and Dave Meyer, um, who directed the spot. Um, but yeah, it was definitely like, visually fun um but just in terms of like the rest of the list it, it we just couldn't find a way to make that work with everything else yeah and chances are you uh listening in have uh, your own ideas obviously of what was the ad of the year we want to hear from you drop us a note podcast at adweek.com it's podcast at adweek.com you can check out that full list of our 25 best ads of 2021 on adweek.com uh and there's a whole lot more there's so much like i mentioned the ryan reynolds peloton ad um with chris noth that or noth is now on um adweek.com we got a few articles about that that was a late late edition that probably would have made the list and uh there's a lot more man there's so much we got our podcast of the year winners we've got um our uh our digital feature on shonda rhymes just dropped this week uh there's there's a lot so um check out adweek.com for the end of the year and we're gonna have tons of roundups uh coming so uh we're gonna be entering the holidays soon haven't quite figured out our podcast schedule yet but it's probably gonna be um kind of few and far between for the next few weeks so uh, whenever we catch up with you, we will, and we really appreciate everyone who's tuned in this year. It's been a it's been a wild year again, two year, two years of wild years. Uh, but Shannon, this was your first year at Adweek, and you have been just the brightest. You are the scoop. There it is of my of my work life of just. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know what that means. <laughs> you have brought so much uh, joy and energy to uh, Adweek and to our our friendship and relationship working together every day has just been such a such a joy, and to this podcast. So, thank you. You were the the highlight of my professional year. That is so sweet. I, I mean, thank you so so much. And I like cannot stress enough how important um, just getting a chance to sort of work with you on the, on a professional level has really been to me. Um, like if people at home do not understand how much like David Greiner is like one of my, not just my friends, but my mentors, um, in terms of writing, who has just actively shaped who I am as a writer and continues to just push me to be better. So being able to work so closely with him every day now, not just in writing, but in the airspace is just like, I mean, talk about job fulfillment and just life fulfillment. I'm just so happy that I get to like work with my friend. Um, So this has just been an incredible year and I'm, and the reason why I'm so excited um, for the next year is because um, Griner believes in me and that, that means quite a bit to me. So thank you so, so much. And um, you don't hear from him, but I really wanted to shout out Al Manorino. Um, for being such an incredible addition to the podcast. And again, just being one of those forces that just brings such great, great energy to what we do and um, just makes this such a fun endeavor. So this has been a really, really great year overall. And this podcast is such a huge part of why it's been so great. Yeah, we give them a shout at the end of each episode, but I do want to call out for those who may turn off their podcast before you get to the little closing credits. Uh, Al Manorino, our producer, is amazing. Lane McGibney, our longtime editor uh, and a good friend, he is uh, just 
such such a tremendous talent, such mm-hmm. a, a consistent force, and does so much of this on his off hours. He has a day job <laughs> running a business. Oh, Lane. And Lane has always been uh, such a great supporter of the show and makes it so much better. Uh, so thank you to you both. You've been amazing. All right. On that note, uh, we should we should wrap it up. Drop us a note with your picks at podcast at adweek.com. And we would love to hear what you thought of the best ads of the year. Uh, our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode, as mentioned, was produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, if you haven't already, please, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally. They help new listeners discover the show. They're they're really important. They continue to be important. So uh, if you've been listening this year, maybe take a minute to leave us a five-star review. Uh, that'd be great. On that note, uh, I'm David Greiner for Adweek, and we will be back soon. Hope you have a wonderful and safe holiday uh, this year, and we will be back with you as soon as can. Bye. Bye.